Welcome to the Plenteous Redemption Podcast, where the cross and the culture are on a collision course for discussion. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require signs, the Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. Under the Jews a stumbling block, under the Greeks foolishness, but under them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Now, here's your host, Thomas Irvin. Welcome back to the Plenteous Redemption podcast. Thank you so much for coming back to listen and to stay updated on what's going on in our world here in Uganda. Uh, I had begun this segment of podcasts in which I would uh, give a monthly update via the the podcast. Uh, Not only do we supply a prayer letter monthly, sometimes bi-monthly, but uh, typically monthly, I'd also like to bring it to you in audio form so that I can maybe explain or or hash out some of the details and ideas that are in the podcast. Now, in previous editions, I basically made a script and read that script. I think I'm going to go away from that format and be a little more off the cuff. (laughs) So we'll see how that goes. But this is the update for July 2022. Before I write my prayer letter, I sit down with Samuel Rutherford's letters. Uh, If you've never read through those, you should get an unabridged copy, uh, which is what I have, which has about 175 or 180 letters inside of it. These were exchanges back and forth between Samuel Rutherford and his congregation. He was a nonconformist preacher in England back in the days when, if you were a nonconformist, if you refused to conform to the, the Church of England, they literally removed you from your, your pulpit, your town, and they forced you to go live in essentially a type of city of refuge. Though you were not in a prison cell, you were in a prison, basically. And it, and it came with dire consequences. Well, he was subject to that. He refused to become a conformist. So they removed him from his pulpit, but his people and his church refused to no longer see him as pastor. So in order to get counsel and and to talk to their pastor, they would send letters back and forth. And uh, these letters have been collected and put into a book. If you know the song, the hymn, the good godly hymn, (laughs) the sands of time are sinking, um, that song was written as, uh, I believe her name is Miss Cousins, went through Samuel Rutherford's letters and took excerpts from his letters and pieced them together to make that song. It's kind of an, an intimate series of letters between a pastor and his people. He really poured his heart out and, and really opened up about pastoral issues, 
And so it's a blessing to read that. And I, and I like to read three, four, or five of those before I write my prayer letter. And it's had a lot of influence on how I approach my prayer letters. And, and so uh, one of the things I like to do is to begin with a verse that, that sort of uh, launches us into what I believe to be the direction of, of events that took place that month in the ministry or, or in our home or in our lives. And unfortunately, I say unfortunately because of the potential negative aspect to the passage that we used, not to the positive aspects, obviously. Um, and so our, our passage is Matthew 6, verses 19 through 21. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through to steal. <laughs> but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now, this passage had a broad utility for us this past month for several reasons. I am teaching through the book of Matthew, and I happened to be in Matthew 6 and 7 within the past month. It was fresh on my mind. And not only so, but Pastor Paul, the, the pastor here of Masaka Independent Baptist Church, he asked me if I would preach uh, one Sunday, and, and of course I was honored to do so. But he asked me specifically if I would preach on this passage I had taught it in Sunday school, and he believed it was something that the, the church more broadly needed to hear. So he asked me if I would turn it into more of a sermon rather than a Sunday school teaching presentation and preach that in the Sunday morning service. So I, so I went over it again, and then that evening, the thieves broke through to steal. Uh, not in my home, but in my neighbor's home. And if you don't know, my direct neighbors are the, the Stensis family. They were away in Kalido. Brother Keith spends a lot of time going back and forth from Kalido to Masaka. He has a large group of men that he works with in Kalido in, in that area, and uh, also his, his dealings back here in Masaka. And so he and his family go back and forth uh, certain times each month or multiple times a month. It just depends on what's going on. And they happen to be in Kalido, and for the second time in a week, their house was broken into. Now, praise the Lord, he had an alarm system installed, a very robust alarm system. Not robust enough. It needs lasers that would, I don't know, amputate anyone who tries to break in. But, you know, I guess there might be some questions about the legality of that. Um, but it did its job. They, they did get in the house. The alarm went off. And because the alarm went off, they took tail and ran. Praise the Lord. Now, the first attempt, they got in the house, and they did actually take some items. The second attempt, the alarm did its job and caused them to flee quite quickly. So that became the, the opening of the prayer letter this month of what I was informing our people about. Um, it's great to belong to Jesus Christ, and it is great to have our affection set on things above. But where we kind of become torn or where the difficulty comes in because that is true of me, that is true of my wife, our affections are set on things above. We gave up everything to move to Africa and preach the gospel. But the little bit of treasure that we do have on earth, we don't want people breaking through and stealing. <laughs> you know, it's we use what we have, hopefully, to the best of our ability for the honor and glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
We don't want it stolen and taken by some reprobate who, who's too much of a loser to get a job and earn his, earn his own items. And so while I, I don't believe that falls under the purview of, of having your, your heart set on things on earth, which, which is we're, we're directly commanded not to have our heart set on things on earth, you still should not be willing to just allow a thief to come through and take it. The Lord also said, in order to break into a house, you got to deal with the strong man. You don't tell him he's coming. You don't tell, you know, the thief doesn't announce he's coming or the man will be there waiting for him. But it is an unfortunate reality that we live in a world where thieves break through and, and steal. There are a bunch of filthy reprobates. And it's frustrating to know that your home could be violated or, or molested in that way. It's you know, my, my bigger concern, you know, of course, I don't want our items taken, but I don't want my family harmed. And that, that could, of course, lead us to far more difficult problems. Um, now, if you haven't read the prayer letter and would like to, uh, you could do a couple of things. You could contact me via social media or, or through our website and um, get on our prayer list. I would be happy to email it to you if you're interested in that. Otherwise, you can go to our website and, and find it there. They're always posted there each month, which is plenteousredemption.com. You, you can find it in the, a link in the description to wherever you're listening to this, hopefully. Um, I don't know how much of that data transfers via RSS feed. I believe most of it transfers in, in terms of podcast descriptions and also any, any web links that are posted in that. I try and post those there. Um, otherwise, the website is plenteousredemption.com. Please go check out that website. Uh, we like having it, <laughs> and we would also like for people to use it. So it is there for your use. Now, the more we move from living lives that are earthly-minded to lives that are focused on treasure in heaven, the, the natural outworking of that is someone who is, who is living in the Spirit, there's a direct connection there. The less you serve sin and the more you serve the Spirit of God, the Word of God, Jesus Christ, the more it demonstrates your affections have been set on things above. Um, you're less earthly-minded. You're, you're more concerned about what's going to be waiting for you in heaven than what can I get in the next one to five years here on earth. And, um, and it's important to, live, to approach life with that mentality in mind. It requires you to think ahead, not just in terms of 5, 10, 15 years down the road, but looking at eternal matters, thinking about eternity. Have you thought about that? Have you considered the fact that you're going to spend eternity in eternity? <laughs> uh, hopefully with the Lord, but the, the Word of God is set up in such a way that God wants to reward you in heaven for the things you do here now, for the way you live here on earth right now. And so the more focused you are on that, the more you can have waiting for you when you get to heaven. That's an incredible idea. You know, I, I to some extent, not, not too much, but to some extent, I like, I enjoy the stock market and, uh, and investing and, and things of that nature. Um, but man, what, what a, you talk about an investment plan, investing in eternity. Uh, I don't know that we take that serious enough. Uh, but then there is that there is the, where we're torn is, I don't want my things on earth to be stolen. I don't want to deal with thieves. 
I don't want to see my neighbors dealing with thieves. In the month, in the month of July, twice we were called to somebody's house. You know, just pe- people broke into to two different missionaries' homes. And um, actually, July and then, and then a couple months back was another missionary on the other side of town that, that we know here. Um, their home was broken into as well. And they were, at, they, they were actually out of the country at the time. They called us. We went over, and sure enough, their, their cameras caught someone going into their home. And, and you wouldn't believe the way these guys are getting in. There are, the homes are made of concrete, and the windows have metal bars in the windows. And what they're doing is they're bringing someone small enough to be able to slip between those bars. The bars are tiny. I mean, the space between them is not, it's maybe five, six inches. And so they're, they're bringing someone with them who can slip between those bars and get into the house. So part of our secure, updated security measures is, is to add metal to those bars so that no one can slip through them because they're, they're doing so very easily. And um, we just can't have that. We, we, you know, the things we have here, they help us to function here and, and to do our job and to do what needs to be done. And um, I can't risk losing those things because some thief wants to break through and steal. So that's, that was the first thing on our agenda to, to break out or explain to our people. We are updating security measures. We have security guards now that come at um, necessary times. Uh, we have cameras all over the property. We have beefed up our internal alarm system. Um, you know, we, 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 we brought home two new German shepherds, Lord willing, so we'll have three dogs, one in the house, two in the yard. All these ridiculous things that we have to do. You know, someone like Brother Keith, Keith Stences, he's been here 26 years. And he's not like me. He's nice. <laughs> you know, he's, he's a likable guy. He has done nothing but help Ugandans. He has done nothing but give himself to Ugandans for 26 years. And you wouldn't believe some of the things he's gotten in response. Now, that that is to be Christ-like. It absolutely is. Paul said, I am ready to spend and be spent. He said, the more I love you, the less I am loved. And, and it just seems that that's, that's ministry. It's how it is, unfortunately. You know, the Lord Jesus Christ came unto his own, and his own received him not. They nailed him to a cross. You know, I'm, I'm studying through the book of Zechariah now, and, and man, I, my heart just shatters every time I come to that passage when Judah and Israel asked the Lord, what are these wounds in thine hands? And he said, these are those which I received in the house of my friends. In the house of my friends. His friends did that to him. You know, we, we, we don't want to deal with that aspect of the Christian life. The Bible has some unbelievably difficult concepts for Christians to, to grasp. You know, 1 Corinthians, the Lord said, I would that you would learn to take wrong. <laughs> you know, if, for me, those are the things I wish were not in the Bible. You know, su- submit one to another, you know, uh, you know all, 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 that, all that stuff, none of that bothers me. What bothers me is learn to take wrong. And I have a very aggressive personality. You know, I I don't want to be done wrong. I don't want my family to be done wrong. But God expects us to learn how to take wrong. Now, pray for us because as things get worse here in Uganda, inflation is on the rise. Uh, It's difficult for Ugandans to live. 
you know, the, the, the cost of basic commodities that they need, um, they can't handle inflation the way Europe or America can handle inflation. Nobody wants to deal with it. It's hard for everybody. But Ugandans, it's, it's, you know, it's particularly difficult. You know, they have nowhere to get the extra money from. And as long as this continues, and, and of course the, the government here made terrible decisions during COVID. They had extreme, harsh lockdowns. And you can't lock down your economy for two years and, and expect there to be no repercussions. And so now those, those repercussions are coming in. The country's in, in a massive amount of debt that they can't afford. Inflation is on the rise. It's, you have all these problems that are cropping up. And as long as Ugandans are struggling to, to get what they need on a daily basis, theft is going to continue to rise. All these terrible things that are happening, it's just going to get worse. So pray for us as we deal with that. One of the amazing things here that I've noticed is when you try and talk to Ugandans about the future of Uganda, they just get quiet and, and end up in this thousand-yard stare because they know the future is not bright. And they're probably right. I, as much as I hope they're not, they, they probably are. You know, their, their president is up there in age. He has been a strong man that has held the country together. Uh, he has been a strong man that, that has been able to maintain security. Until decisions were made about the lockdown for COVID, one of the things he was well known for was the, the progression of the economy in Uganda. And uh, of course, that has been destroyed. And, and so he's at the end of his life. He's, at, you know, he's, he's 70 plus years old. Um, he might be able to run or be president for one or two more terms, possibly, but they know that transition is coming, but that's a transition Ugandans ha have never seen before. They have never seen a peaceful transfer of power. And what's worse, in many of these situations, I'd like to feel bad for Ugandans, but un the unfortunate reality is that Uganda is one of those countries they need a strong man. They need someone who will come in and, and keep them under control. And Museveni has been that man. Whether you, whether you like him politically or not, he has been that person who's been able to maintain good order and control in Uganda. And, and because of that, it became one of the fastest growing economies in Africa. Nobody else here commands the respect that he does. There is no one to follow him that can do what he does. And so we, we just we need you to have, pray with us about the future of Uganda because we have no idea what it holds. Uh, but it's coming rapidly, and we're going to find out. Pray we can get this Bible done before transition takes place and, and total chaos ensues. We, we would hate to see that. Uh, if for some reason we had to leave the country, we want to leave them with an accurate copy of the Word of God. So pray with us about that, please. And, and about the rise and the theft situation, poor Brother Gross. Brother Gross has had to go with me each time these situations come up. And uh, Brother Gross is a gentle soul. He's not a fighter. Nothing much bothers him. You know, he has a ride around with me. Everything makes me mad. And um, then you have Brother Gross, who's just just as even-keeled and laid back. Now, I have seen him get upset, but he gets upset when people don't show up for soul winning. He gets upset when the Word of God doesn't go out. Brother Gross is a blessing. Um, 
but I, I don't want them to be deterred by these issues or, or discouraged by them. Um, it's just unfortunate things had to go this way. Now, speaking of Brother Gross, he is part of our translation team, and uh, they are making good progress on the Bible. It, it is exciting to see what's, what's happening so far. Now, by the time that um, this letter was written, they had finished, I believe, up to Genesis chapter 3. That, that's after about, or maybe it was Genesis chapter 5. No, it's Genesis 3, according to the letter. Um, and so that, that's after about two weeks of, of work on the Bible. Um, it, it, it's, now, that may not sound like a lot, but it's going very well. Not only did they have Genesis chapters 1, 2, and 3, now we're talking about two men who are doing the translation work, who have hardly ever touched a computer, having to learn how to use the computer. I'm having them do the work in an application called Obsidian, which is a markdown note-taking app that, that can be extremely complex. It doesn't have to be. I mean, it depends on how much of its ability you want to use. But to them, when they see it, it's just a whole new world to, to get into and learn how to use. And then, um, you know, getting all the tools together, reasoning out which words to use, you know, putting them all in their proper context. I mean, it's, it's, it's a daunting task for two men to, to ease into. Uh, but, man, Brother Gross has been faithful. I, we have known him. He lives on our property with us. He has, he has um, kind of been my right-hand man since I've been here. And... Um, at 9 o'clock at night, his lights are out and he's asleep. Since he started this translation work, I get text messages from him at 11 o'clock at night. It, he is loving it. He, he is excited about it. He has given himself to it. And he is the kind of young man, you give him a task to do, he will give himself over to it and he will do it. So pray for him. Michael brings more of the uh, the technical aspects to, to the picture. Uh, Michael's uh, highly trained at the university level, and uh, he's going to be able to kind of uh, shape this into something maybe a little a little more poetic, if you will, easier to read, uh, nicer to read, that, that kind of thing, grammatically correct. That's the main aspect of what I'm looking for from him. But as of the end of July, they had a, a rough draft between the two of them complete for the next level of review of Genesis chapter 1. And it's a blessing to, to read through it. It's literally as though you're reading the King James Bible, but with Luganda words. It's so exciting. Uh, I'm, I'm very excited about it. Now, in, in the letter, I gave some information about the process we're going through. And uh, what, so what's gonna ha- what happens is Brother Michael and Brother Gross individually sit down on their, at their own computers apart, and they work on their translation work. They, they get through whatever chapters they're getting through, and, and they do that Monday through Friday. Every Monday, when they come back to work, then they sit down together on that Monday, and they reconcile their work together. So what they do is Gross goes through his rendition of his work, and Michael goes through his. They, they go through it together, sitting there, and they try and uh, reason out. Why did you choose this word or that spelling or this grammar versus this one and versus that one. And so they, so they have to hash out between the two of them what they have found and what they have produced. And then between the two of them, they change their work to have a, a mirrored copy of a final version between the two of them. And uh, so, so the first level is the translation. Second level is the two translators have to reconcile their work amongst themselves. 
And then once they produce that draft, that final draft between the two of them, we have two more men, uh, Pastor Sebanja Henry and Pastor Serenjogi Paul. They will come on, on Mondays and Tuesdays when we're ready for them to start coming, and they will take the work that Gross and Michael have produced, and they will begin to review their final copy. So the final draft that they make will go to these two men. Those two men will review that copy. They're going to be looking for word choice, readability, that it's understandable. And as they go through it and they read it and they see what Michael and Gross have produced together, they're going to look at it and, and say, yes, this makes sense. It reads, it says what the King James Bible says. It makes sense in Luganda. It flows well. These are the right word choices. And, and if they are, they'll sign off on it. And then that level of review will be complete. If they disagree with something, they're going to make notes about it in a notebook, send it back to the translators. The translators will together read their notes and make a decision on whether they believe there is merit to what the, the next level of review is saying or not. And if they agree, they'll make the change. If they don't agree, it'll stay the, the same. Those notes will be entered into our uh, translation program within Obsidian. And when it goes to the final level of review between missionary Keith Stensis and missionary Marlon Peterson, they will have those notes available for them to see. If they see a problem somewhere, they can go to the notes and say, what happened here? Why was this choice made? Did someone have a different opinion? They can kind of go through those notes and see what took place there. And then they can make a decision moving forward. So if those two agree that the passage is good, that it, that it reads well, it flows well, it's the right word choices, all that good stuff, then we sign off on it. And we essentially have our finished copy of the Word of God after it goes through all that, those levels of scrutiny. Now, when they sign off on it, then we're going to take a final copy of that, the final reconciled copy, and we're going to send it to another church in Kampala. And my desire is to have that pastor have, have a group of men in his church read through it together and to discuss what they're seeing and what they found and how it works and how it reads and, and all those good things and to make notes about it and send those notes back to us so that we can then review, you know, again, have our translators and the men here look over what the other church found. And what this does is it, it lets another church outside of us, hours away from us, look at it and they can say, we agree, we disagree. We think you have some problems here. We think you have some problems there, or it sounds great, what, whatever the case may be. Uh, that way we, we're not just sitting here thinking that we've come up with something wonderful, but then when eyes outside our little group get on it and they start wondering, why'd you make these choices? We can make sure we get ahead of that curb and uh, have another group read through it and take a look at it. So this is all exciting stuff. It's, I'm, you know, th th this process is mirrored after the King James Translators process. Of course, they had 54 men starting out and they were all broken into six companies and so you had the translation, then the company had to review it. And then when that company reviewed it, they'd send it to their mirroring company and the same, whether it was at Cambridge, Westminster, or Oxford, had to be reviewed there. And then it got sent to other, the other companies for review. By the time each passage of the King James Bible was finished, it was reviewed at least 14 times. And so now we don't have the benefit of that, but we, we do want to put it through as much scrutiny as we are capable of, of putting it through. That way, Lord willing, 
in the end, it will make sense and it will be accurate in accord with the King James Bible. Please pray for this mammoth work. I hope to have it done in three years. I don't know if that's going to be possible, but Lord willing, we, that's the goal. We'll adjust it as, as needed. Some passages, some chapters will go much faster and other chapters will take more time as they try and reason out the words. We're, we're trying to keep consistent terminology as we go from Genesis all the way to Revelation. These are all very important ideas. So uh, we would appreciate your prayer. Uh, now, to accomplish the task, we need equipment. I purchased a few Windows laptops in country. They're old. They're just not going to work out. I, I hope that they would, but they, they're just not going to work out. So what I ended up doing was purchasing two new computers. They're not new. They're actually used, but they're newer uh, in, in great shape from the U.S. This will be a shock to some of you, and I feel like I have to explain it. I recently went through a bit of an existential crisis. <laughs> I am not a big fan of Apple in any way. I, to some extent, despise Apple. But we've had some serious computer problems here lately. Actually, computer problems that span from around November of last year, literally until a, a, a few weeks ago, about a month ago, maybe. Windows was going through its transition. I have always used Windows or Linux. Windows or Linux computers. I, I have typically used you know, Dell XPS machines. And so I have never had problems with them. In fact, they perform great. They work well. Up until recently, my motto, my aim when buying computers, cell phones, tablets, whatever, whatever I need to, to accomplish whatever task I'm trying to accomplish, I always look for the highest quality at the best price. Until Apple produced the M1 chip, the Dell XPS computers were the best quality at the best price. In fact, if you bought an Intel-based uh, MacBook of any sort over a Dell XPS, you were paying $800 to $1,000 more to get the exact same components. Literally, the same RAM, same SSDs, same processor, everything was the same. But there were a few things that Apple did better, and there were a few things that, that Dell did better. Dell always has the best monitors. Their 4K monitors and their computers with those tiny bezels, just excellent, highest quality. Apple has the best music. The, the sound uh, coming out of their computers is always the best. But you got to ask yourself, do I want to pay $800 to $1,000 more to have better sound? <laughs> no, I don't. Now, all that was fine and working well and going great. Uh, until Windows 11 came along. As Windows 11 was being rolled out, uh, something happened to my computers that have never happened before. I've had the same computer since 2018. My, my wife and I, we bought new computers in 2018. I've had the same Dell XPS computers since 2018. Never had a problem with them. Always with Windows 10, smooth working, no issues. Well, as they were rolling out Windows 11, everything I used to get all my work done, podcast recording, studying, uh, you know, taking notes, I mean, everything that I need to have my hands on on a daily basis to function and to work well, all began to break. Uh, I could not record videos. You haven't seen a video of, of any of our recordings in some time because it all all our applications broke. It just they wouldn't open. They wouldn't work. If they did open, they would freeze and crash. Just I was having nonstop problems. Now, 
being the type of person that can't stand Apple, moving to an Apple machine was not an option. So I switched back to Linux and found that the Linux world, uh, since the last time I had used Linux, was doing great. Their operating systems had improved greatly. Um, they, they were very nice, for the most part, very functional. I ended up landing on Fedora Linux, which is an excellent operating system. But there were problems there. Uh, we found applications, open source applications that were very good, that worked well to replace our, our applications that I was using on Windows, Windows 10. But the problem is Fedora is, a, is what they call a bleeding edge operating system. You have running updates. You don't download the next version of Fedora and have to wipe your disk and install a whole new operating system. It's a continual upgrade. It, it upgrades over time. And that works great because it keeps a nice, smooth working operating system. It really is. It's excellent. The problem is all the open source programs made for Linux operating systems have to keep in mind and cover around 1,000 Linux operating systems, and many of them will also work on Windows and, and Mac OS. Well, whose update schedule are you going to keep? You've got over 1,000 operating systems to try and keep up with. Which ones are you going to keep up with? So you have these frequent updates for Fedora, which keep it working well and working smooth, and it, it, it is an excellent operating system. But none of these supporting apps are made for Fedora. They're made for all Linux operating systems. So Fedora would get an update and then immediately again, everything would break and we'd be stuck, unable to record, unable to edit, unable to study, <laughs> unable to do anything that I need to do on my computer. From November until about a month and a half ago, a month ago, I've just been dead in the water, you know, kind of hobbling along at best and unable to get anything done. Well, in the process of all that, I ended up with a, an iMac in my office. And so we brought that iMac in and I installed Linux on it. And um, I had Fedora on it, working great. Everything was going well until Fedora gets an update. The, the supporting applications had not yet updated to where Fedora was. Everything would break. So finally, I said, you know what? Well, I'm going to try something <laughs> that I never thought I would try. <laughs> I, I went through the process to reinstall macOS on the iMac. The, the blessing to that was 99% of all the programs that I used on Windows also worked on macOS. In fact, most of them originally started for the Mac operating system and were optimized for macOS. So uh, I was able to take my my activation key for any of those programs, install them on, on this iMac and get them up and running. And it just worked beautifully. Also, I'll say that the more I used Mac OS, the more I see they stole so much from Linux, <laughs> which I'm okay with because I like Linux. I like Fedora. I like the GNOME desktop. When I use Apple's operating system on their computer, if you sat Fedora Linux with the GNOME desktop next to a, a, a computer with Mac OS and began to use it, you would see they're almost exactly the same. Now, Windows and Apple have been known for taking uh, open source 
coding from Linux and applying it to their system, you just didn't see it as blatantly with Windows as you did with with Mac OS. Mac OS is basically, in fact, it's built upon Unix, a proprietary version of Linux. So you're basically using the Linux, a very polished version of the Linux operating system. The good thing here is that the applications keep up with Mac OS. Now, it's not that you can't get an update and it breaks things. That, that's certainly possible. I know people that has happened to who, who use Apple computers, and it's as frustrating for them as it is for me and, and everyone else. But generally speaking, one of the benefits to Mac OS is, is the software experience. It is a better software experience than you'll get anywhere else. I always say the, the, the benefit to Windows is also its negative, and the benefit to Mac OS is also its negative. Um, Mac OS, you get this seamless software experience, but you don't have any customization. Well, with Windows, you have far more customization, but you might not get as good of a software experience. Uh, it, it, it can tend to have a few more hiccups here and there. I've never had a problem until they started rolling out Windows 11. Now, the other detail that, that sealed my decision is that Windows 11 is moving to a very closed proprietary system that mimics one of the things I hate so much about Apple is that it is such a closed and proprietary system. You buy an Apple computer and they tell you how to use it, period. You, you get very little say in it. You get very little options. Now, that, that, that is good and bad. The good is it, it, helps, it helps you to have that seamless software experience. The bad is you, you overpaid for a computer that you don't get to own. <laughs> That's the negative. But I'm to a point in my life where I am busy. I have a lot of work to do. I need to be able to open my computer and work. And after switching the iMac back to Mac OS, it has done that. I've had no problems. It runs smoothly. It runs efficiently. Uh, everything I hate about Apple is still true. But one thing that, that I have always said, the problem with Apple equipment is not the quality of it. It's the company. It's the people. It's the proprietary domineering mentality. But having that in place is what allows them to give you such a fluid experience. Now, Windows is trying to, Windows is moving to that kind of closed proprietary system, but there's multiple problems with that. First of all, Windows is made to go on computers made by different manufacturers. Well, Mac OS is made for Apple computers. Apple makes the computers and they make the operating system. If I buy a Dell XPS computer and put the Windows operating system on it, how are you going to try and take control of my proprietary control of my computer? <laughs> it, it, it doesn't make sense. Here's the other problem. With Mac OS in their ridiculously frustrating closed proprietary system, the other benefit to that is that it works seamlessly across the tablets, uh, phones, and anything else that's related to, to Apple equipment, you get this very well put together ecosystem. Windows doesn't have that to offer you. So how are you going to mimic what Apple is producing? You don't have the added benefits that Apple can give you if you're willing to buy into that proprietary system. 
you're introducing the negative, but not giving the benefits. Now, maybe they plan to do something like that down the road, but it's not here yet. <laughs> and the other problem for Windows is that Windows following, the followers, the people who use Windows, do so because of the, the limited proprietary nature and, and the ability to customize and to use a wide range of software. You don't get that with Mac OS. Well, Windows is now taking that away. So why would anybody stay with Windows in a proprietary system that is stealing all your data and you don't get the ecosystem? There's no reason to stay there. And, and I'm sure, I, I have no doubt that Windows 11 will eventually stabilize and all the apps I had before probably would have worked weeks or months down the road. I don't have time for that. So we switched the iMac over. It is working great. We have not had a single problem ever since. And it's been a while since my wife and I updated computers. So it, it's almost shameful for, for me to say. But I am sitting here in front of me with an M1 MacBook Air. I've had it for about maybe a month or two. And again, the software experience has been excellent. The, the components have worked great. Anything I've tried to throw at this thing, it's, it has not had a single problem. And uh, I, one more note, I talked about um, if you bought an Intel Dell XPS and an Intel MacBook Air or MacBook Pro, you were greatly overcharged for the MacBook. And, and that's 100% true. There is no way around that. You, you paid way too much for your Apple computer when it was Intel to Intel. But now Apple is producing their own chips and they have put in the M1 and now up to the M2. There's no comparison now. You know, back in the day when Steve Jobs was around, you, you were charged a lot of extra money for an Apple computer because you were buying an elite device. It was objectively a better device. Then as he passed off the scene and it, and it became, you know, Intel to Intel, you were not getting a better device. You just either liked the Apple operating system or you didn't. But you were being overcharged for the same components that are in a, a Lenovo computer, a Dell computer, an HP computer. It, it was all the same. That's not the, that's not the same. It's not the same now. With the M1 chip, uh, for the first time in, in 10, 15 years, uh, Apple is actually innovating again. And with the production of the M1 chip, and by the way, the M1 chip is not a new, not a new thing. Um, software companies have been using ARM-based chips like this for a long time, chipsets like this for a long time. But none of them had the idea to implement it or to take it and put it into their computers for, for broad use to the consumer. They use these ARM chips internally. NVIDIA is, uh, uh, has been using ARM chips internally in-house for themselves for years. But Apple beat everybody to the punch and produced this chip that revolutionized laptops. Now, every, literally every manufacturer now is trying to figure out a, a way to catch up to what Apple produced with the M1 chip. There's just nothing out there comparable to it at the moment. Uh, I'm sure it'll come. They'll catch up eventually. Um, but right now, if you buy an Intel-based laptop, which right now the Dell XPS, especially the Dell XPS Pro, is more expensive than the M1 MacBook Air, and it doesn't outperform the M1 MacBook Air. 
it definitely doesn't outperform the M2. Uh, it overheats quickly. It doesn't have the GPU performance. That's the other revolutionary aspect to this. When they produced the M1 chip, they produced this GPU uh, component to it that you can't get in Intel-based machines. You know, Iris graphics, it's not great. You know, with, with, with the ARM chip that's in the, that's in the Apple computers, it has integrated graphics. But also with the chips that are in the Intel-based Windows machines, they have integrated graphics. But the integrated graphics in the M1 chips literally acts as, as a dedicated GPU. It functions in that way, which is incredible. It literally is a technological marvel, what they've come up with. And, uh, and so now they have set themselves apart from the pack, and they're no longer, you're no longer getting just a normal Intel machine. You're getting an elite device at this point. All that to say we have switched to Apple computers. And those of you who know me will understand why I had to give this long, drawn-out explanation. <laughs> it's, a, it's a difficult thing for me to come to terms with because I hate Apple. But I've never been unwilling to admit that they make good equipment and that their software experience is, has always been somewhat elite compared to Windows. But I don't, I don't need the customization anymore. I don't need to be able to alter and tinker and change things. I want something that when I install my program on it, I open my computer, I can go to work. And I have been able to do that with this computer bar none. And, and so now I would say to any of you who, who care, if you want the best computer at the best price right now, even with the, the, the new MacBook Air that's out, the best computer at the best price across the board for all devices is the M1 MacBook Air. I have ordered one from the States. It is coming, uh, will be shipped to us. It'll get here eventually. I found one new open box on eBay at an unbelievable price, and it is fully loaded with two terabytes of storage, 16 gigs of RAM, the M1 chip. You know, the, the physical build might be a bit dated, it's still excellent. I have no trouble with it. I'm excited to be back to a point to where I can open my computer every day and go straight to work with no trouble. Now, I, that was a side note to the fact that we had to that, that we're ordering computers for the guys here. This is the other issue that this will resolve. I ordered them two 2018 Intel MacBook Airs and got again a great deal for them on eBay. Uh, they are used, but they are refurbished, and so the company that did it, they seem to be reputable. And uh, so I have no concerns that, that there are going to be problems with them. Um, I, I just need them to be functional for these guys to, to do their, their daily translation work. But this is the thing with the Apple e ecosystem. All those devices can connect together, and as they're working, I can grab from their computer what they're working on and easily play, put it on my computer and send it out to the people who need to do review and, and do other things. It just makes the workflow far more, more seamless because of the Apple ecosystem. And uh, so those computers are coming. I still need to get a printer, some other things. Um, you know, we, we have some equipment still left to purchase. It is cheaper for me to buy a laptop from America and ship it to Uganda than it is to buy that same laptop in Uganda. By far. Substantially cheaper. Uh, so pray about the situation in Uganda. We, we need to get work done. But I, and it would be wonderful to be able to give businesses here locally 
you know, my business, but I not at those prices. And I've told them, one guy, we went and we talked to him about a computer and I said, people pay you those prices? And he just kind of smiled and I said, and you don't feel bad about it? You're not providing a good service. You're robbing people. For, for the price of one of the, the used laptops, the 2018 MacBook Air laptops that I purchased from America, I got two from America and shipped them here for less than it would have cost to buy one in Uganda. It's, it's ridiculous. So again, pray about that situation. Uh, you know, the inflation situation is, uh, it's going to be a problem here. It's going to cause an uproar and we don't want that. We want peace. Uh, we want people to be able to live their lives and, and do well and, and not have to struggle the way that they're about to. So, all right, now to wrap this up, let you know, quickly, let me tell you about two new ministries that are coming. I, I didn't intend for this to be a full hour-long update, uh, but I am enjoying the more, you know, fluid, uh, off-the-cuff aspect of it rather than reading a script. So I, I hope that you enjoy it as well. I hope it's a blessing and, and, and informative and, and encouraging. One of the staple ministries that, that you will pick up on if you go to the Bible Baptist Church in Deland, Florida, which is my home church, if you go to Bible school there at the Deland School of the Bible— you're going to be introduced to public ministry. We go street preaching all over Central Florida. In fact, Brother James had, a, had a, put together a program called Operation Samaria, where our church preached for at least an hour in every town and city in the entire state of Florida. Street preaching is, is it's what we do. It's, it's, our, it's our baby, if you will. And, uh, and so when we came here to, to Uganda, we noticed that that our town church here in Masaka was not doing an effective job of being a public witness to the community. So we established a street preaching ministry here at Masaka Independent Baptist Church. Every Friday, we go to the same place at the market where hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people gather, and we lift up our voice. We have a microphone and a speaker. We preach the gospel. We pass out Every, every week, we give out anywhere between 700 and 1,000 tracts every Friday that we're out at the market. Uh, we hold up signs. We engage people in conversation. It's, it's a good, effective witness. Now, we need more people to, to get engaged and to come participate because it's a big crowd. We're only touching a fraction of the people that are out there. Uh, you know, 700 to 1,000 people, that's just standing on one corner on one side of the market. There are still hundreds of people across town and across the other side of the market that, that we need to engage in. But the men here have made it their own. It runs with me or without me. They don't need me. They, they love it. Um, in fact, I, I, I remarked in the, in the prayer letter how it's one of the most empowering ministries you can be part of. Because it, it's, it's you, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit against a, a mob of people preaching the gospel. You could drop me anywhere where I could speak the language and I have a ministry. I don't need a pulpit. I don't need a prison. I don't need a nursing home. I don't need a school. All I need is a street corner where people are active. And, and I can go and, and I can preach the gospel. And so the guys here have really picked up on that and they love it. They enjoy it. They're doing great at it. Um, we're distributing a lot of tracts. We're preaching to a lot of people. I mean, it is, it's an exciting, exciting ministry. And, uh, and, and so if you would pray about that. But for some time now, I have had the desire to take this ministry. Uh, we, we taught this idea in one of our Triennial Bible Institutes here that, that Brother Keith uh, runs and operates. 
we taught this idea to them of, of establishing public ministry, and many of the guys are all for it. They're excited about it. They want to do it, but they keep asking me, will I come show them? And yes, I want to go and show them. I want to help them get it established. Well, what, what happened in July is Pastor Paul, the pastor of Masaka Independent Baptist Church, asked me if I would go with a group of people to Matete, where there's a new church plant, and uh, Pastor Bonnie is there. Uh, uh, he's a phenomenal young man. He's trying to get this church up and going. And, uh, and, and so it was organized for us to go to take hundreds of tracks, take street preaching equipment, to go out there and we spend a whole Saturday uh, doing public ministry, going door to door, engaging people in conversation, inviting them to church, doing everything that we can to try and, and, and win souls to Christ and to make people aware that this church is here and, and that it's available uh, to minister to their spiritual needs. It was a tremendous experience. So Pastor Bonnie is from Pastor Sebanja's church. Pastor Sebanja organized this whole thing. Pastor Paul got me involved. We took a group of six, seven people from our church. Uh, I drove us out there. We got out there. And in the middle of town, they set up massive speakers pointed at the town and a pulpit for me to stand there and preach at. Me and a translator preached for about five hours and 45 minutes. It was, it was exciting. It was wonderful. I had an entire town <laughs> for my congregation, whether they wanted to be or not. Now, you can do this kind of thing in Africa. I don't suggest you try this in, in America, not without the proper permits and, and, you know, and all, those, all those things. But in Africa, you can get away with some of these things, though I wish you couldn't to some extent because they do it to us. <laughs> you know, the people who play reprobate, reprobate music and, and everything else, they set up speakers around town and they just blast it into your home and, and into the businesses and there's just no recourse. There's nothing you can do about it. Uh, in fact, I am so excited for tonight because the past three or four days, there has been a carnival in town right in front of our house, and they have been blasting music so loud that, that for three or four days, my head has been throbbing and we have not slept. And nobody came to the carnival because it was run by a bunch of useless talentless fools who think that screaming on a microphone and blasting reprobate music is entertainment. Nobody was there, but they still felt the need to blast the music all night and, and all day. And so uh, we are worn out with it. Um, we literally almost left home for a couple of days just to get away from it. Um, we've never had to do that before. Uh, you know, we're, we're used to the loudness. We, we, it's just part of, it's just how it is here. Uh, they have no respect for their neighbors. They have no concern for whether you want to hear it or not. Uh, and it's not like they're out in a public place addressing you with a reasonable amount of loudness. In certain places you, in America, you can take a bullhorn, but, but it's expected in that area that it's going to be loud. That's just, if you come to that area, it's going to be loud. We don't take it to your home and set up speakers out right out in your yard and blast it into your house. And that's essentially what they do here. They, they have no concern for, for those types of things. Now, in Matete, they set it up in the middle of town. And though the speakers were good and loud, it wasn't of the sort that, that it was robbing you of, of your ability to go into your home or into your business and escape the sound. <laughs> uh, it was horrible the past three or four days. Uh, Matete, it was, about, it was a bit more reasonable, uh, but it was exciting. We preached the gospel. 
uh, a gr- the group that came with us, they took the men from Matete uh, Baptist Church and they took them to the markets and they showed them how to do street preaching. That's what I want. That's the exciting part. The, the, the experienced men here taking the men at these other churches who haven't done it yet, who haven't been part of it yet, who don't really, they, they have an idea, but they don't really know what to do. They can take them out and show them how to do this and teach them and establish it at these churches. Um, that's exciting. And so I preached five hours and 45 minutes, uh, just went through the Bible, preaching the gospel repeatedly, just whatever passage was on my mind, I'd open to that passage, read it and, and, and teach that verse. And, uh, and it was all gospel related. And, um, and so that was a blessing. The men were at the market. Uh, the markets in Uganda are a big deal. O- they're mostly open, open door, outdoors. So you, can, you have hundreds of people you can preach to. And, and so they went and they did that. We got out hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of tracks. Altogether that day, around 19 people ended up making professions of faith in Jesus Christ. That is, in, in, a, in about a eight, seven, eight hour day, Around 19 people ended up making professions of faith. They had a church service that night, a special church service, just to invite people out and, and get them to come. And, uh, and, and so with my desire to take our street preaching on the road and that event that took place, it really brought a lot of things together for me. So we're going to be starting a new ministry where Brother Gross and Brother Waibi and myself, we're going to pack up once a month. And we're going to go out to a church plant. We're going to start with new churches and new church plants. And we're going to help them establish public ministry wherever they are. And it's going to take different forms in different places. Matete is a large town. You go into the village, it's going to be different. People are going to be more spread out. It's, not going to, you know, it's, it's, it's going to take a slightly different form, but that's okay. We'll, we'll examine their situation and help them get it, get it started. But we'll go out. My plan is to stay two nights uh, or two, two days, one night. Um, the first day we'll, we'll go out and, and we'll, we'll get set up and then we'll spend that day doing about five or six hours of Bible teaching. Uh, I want that pastor to, to get together the men and women that he wants to be in that session. And we're going to cover some important topic from the Bible meant to edify and build up their people. And that evening we'll have some fellowship, spend time together. The next morning we get up, we're going to go out and we're going to go door knocking. We're going to go street preaching. We're going to distribute tracts. We're going to do everything we can to get into the hands of the people of that village or that town, knowledge and information about the gospel and about that church. And, And we're going to use that to teach that church how to do these things and also give them a big boost, Lord willing, of people who are who are now more aware that they are there. And, and uh, so that, that's going to be one of our ministries. Uh, for that, I'll need to purchase an, another vehicle. They, they have in Uganda, the, these vehicles are called a Toyota Helix Surf. It's like, a, it's like the 90s or early 2000s model uh, Toyota 4Runner. It's that kind of idea. And um, they're priced well, so I'm, I'm going to look at getting money together to, to buy one of those. And uh, just set it up specifically for going out. Some of the places we're going to go, you're going to need four-wheel drive. You're going to be going deep in the bush. Um, so, so I don't want to use our family vehicle that we use here in town for that kind of thing. It'll take a beating. Um, I, I want to get something that, that can handle going out in that way. And, and we don't have to worry about beating up on it a little bit. Um, I need certain camping equipment that I'll have to get together. Uh, there are tents and things that I want to order. Um, sleeping equipment, nets, 
uh, anything that we need that we can that that will, that will allow us to pack it up in the back of that Toyota Helix Surf or whatever vehicle we end up with. It'll fit neatly, orderly inside there. I'll need you know speakers that that can run off its own battery, rechargeable speakers that can run off batteries, so we don't have to worry about taking batteries and and, and other things out. Uh, I just I have a list of things I need to get together so that we can effectively set out and, and run and operate this ministry. So uh, pray for us that we can get all that together in a timely manner. I hope I can do it in six months or less. I prefer to do it in three months or less. Getting a, a second vehicle and all that is going to be a little bit, that's going to be tough. We'll see. Um, so pray for us that we can get that done and get that moving. Um, there is a second ministry in our prayer letter that, that I brought out that um, we want to get started. Back in the States, Towards the, the end of our time in America, I began to spend a lot of time with Pastor Ron Ralph and Cornerstone Baptist Church in Carthage, Tennessee. I love Ron Ralph. He is one of the best men I have ever met in my life. He is just a, a tremendous man. And uh, he has uh, what he calls a pastor's school where he invites pastors. Um, I believe it's probably invite only. It's a, it's a little more intimate, a little more personable uh, of a get-together where he brings these men in. And he, he has uh, himself, uh, Pastor Roger Hoots, and maybe one or two other pastors come in, and they teach these pastors. They build them up in the Word of God. They try and deal with uh, situations and ideas that pastors have to face and deal with. And, uh, and then at the same time, Cornerstone Baptist Church just spoils those men, just takes good care of them and treats them well. And, and, and so not only is it a time of learning and admonition and encouragement, but also it's a time of blessing because the, the, the Cornerstone Baptist Church just really wants to go out of their way to, to bless and encourage these pastors and, and to strengthen them, to build them up, to help them. And so we, we want to duplicate that here. Uh, Brother Keith has started a handful of churches, and then through his old radio ministry, he ended up being linked up with several other churches on the other side of Uganda in the Kalido area. And so he's got all these pastors that He is going around and visiting in a rotation. So with the street preaching ministry, I'll be visiting many of the same churches, though we're going to work primarily on this side of Uganda with the churches he has here. Uh, We'll think about the future, you know, possibly going in the Kalido area. We'll see. But right now we're going to work locally. And and so it'll give me an opportunity to, when he's not with those churches, they still have someone coming around behind him to to visit with them and spend time with them. And that extra level of accountability is important. It's helpful. And then on top of that, we can bring these pastors in. Brother Keith has, he has facilities here. He has the, the foundation to be able to bring these guys in, give them a place to stay. We will feed them very well, take good care of them, spoil them while they're here. I, I'm, you know, I hope to try and buy, you know, ties and shirts and and uh, just try to try to be a blessing to them, and at the same time teach them something from the Word of God. Now, Brother Keith already has a Triennial Bible Institute where we do something similar, but it's for all the pastors and any men those pastors want to bring. Well, what I'm talking about doing is a little more intimate, a little more closed. It's only for pastors, and um, and it'll be used to be a blessing and a help, and to encourage them and to strengthen them. And then it, again, it's another level of accountability for them. It's another level of encouragement for them, and it's an opportunity for them alone as pastors to say, here's some things that are on my mind. Here are some questions I have. What do we do with this? What do we do with that? 
and, and Brother Keith and myself will be available to, to try and help them and encourage them and point them in the right direction. So that is, that's going to be a blessing. I'm excited about that. And so it'll take some time for me to get a schedule together. I'll need to work with Brother Keith on the scheduling because I want him to be part of it. And uh, he, he's a busy man. He's all over the place as it is. And so it's, it's, just, it's just another level of accountability and training for these men that will just further ground and root them in the Word of God. And with that, final notes. In July, altogether ministry-wide, we had a round. This is just what I know of. This doesn't include all the churches that Brother Keith has planted or even the work that Brother Keith has done. We had about 30 people make professions of faith in the month of July. That is so exciting. Um, now, we are still facing the problem that most of them are not following on and showing up to church. And I have to be honest about that. And, and that is a problem. Um, it, it's exciting to report to you the, the, the professions of faith. That number of professions of faith has to be tempered by the reality that not all of them, in fact, only a fraction of them are showing up to church. Now, the ones who do show up to church are doing very well. And not only that, we, ha- we have... As a result of the work that we're doing publicly and door-to-door, more and more visitors are coming, and some of them are sticking and staying and doing well. And, and, and uh, it's, it's, you know, so there, there's give and take to it. There's this ebb and flow to it. But I don't want to just show up and tell you hundreds of people got saved and then not give you any of the other supporting details. <laughs> it just it doesn't seem like that would be very honest of me to do. So uh, that is a reality that we face here in Uganda. Uh, my family is doing great. Uh, my wife is wonderful. She is more than I deserve. I am so thankful for the wife that God gave me. Uh, she takes unbelievably good care of me. She is an excellent wife and an unbelievable mother. I am thankful. So if you would pray for her, keep, please keep her in your prayer. Um, you know, I don't want anything to happen to that woman. She is better than gold. I, I am thankful for my wife. Uh, Bethany is in October, she'll be two years old. It's so hard to imagine. She's growing so fast. She's so intelligent. She has an unbelievable memory. Uh, she loves to sing hymns. She walks around the house all the time singing. Her, her favorite song right now is Man of Sorrows. And uh, it's funny, she'll come to me or her mother and she'll say, can we sing Man of Sorrows to reclaim? <laughs> and she has the sweetest voice and uh, so, so it's a tremendous blessing. Um, she, she knows the books of the Bible. Kristen works very well with her and teaches her unbelievably well. And uh, she, can, she can go through the books of the Bible. She is memorizing verses. She does schoolwork already. She's just doing great. The big accomplishment recently, this month, is it appears that she is finally potty trained. Um, it took a little longer than Kristen wanted, uh, but we're you know, sometimes we're in Kampala, sometimes we have visitors, sometimes we're, you know, our day is broken up based on where we are and what we're doing. And so it, it was hard to be as consistent with that as she needed. But it just got to a point where Bethany realized she didn't want that on her. <laughs> and so she, she became accustomed to the, to the potty and she's doing very well with it. So praise the Lord for that. Then there's Adrian. In the letter, I I say that he's shaping up to be a a gentle giant. He has the sweetest happy face that that I have ever seen. He loves to smile, and when he smiles, his whole face lights up. He smiles so big, it's 
It's amazing. It's it's wonderful. God has blessed me with a great family. He he is in wait. He is closing in on Bethany. Bethany is almost two years old. He's just over three months old. Bethany weighs twenty one pounds. Adrian probably weighs. 16, 17 pounds right about now. He is starting to thin out. He is starting to get longer. So that might, he might slow down a little bit here soon. Uh, but he's a big boy. <laughs> he is, he's getting big. He's very thick. He's got broad shoulders and, and uh, big arms and legs. And, and uh, just looks like he's going to be a, a strapping young man. So, but with all that time will tell, his personality is coming out more and more. Uh, he's very. He's becoming very, more observant of people around him and what's going on around him, and, and he's just a happy, happy kid. Um, when we brought him home, he, he struggled to sleep at night. Not anymore. Uh, Kristen can put him in bed, and and he's out. Uh, he'll, he'll put himself to sleep. Uh, I still have to put Bethany to sleep every night. She's just. She was different in that way. We have to put her to sleep, but once she's asleep, that's it. She's she's great. Uh, Adrian, you can just, once he's tired, you lay him down, cut the lights out, walk out of the room, and he goes to sleep. He has no trouble with that. And so that's, that's a blessing. Uh, so family is doing well. The ministry is doing well. The Lord is blessing. God is so good to us. And, and we hope all this is done for his, his honor and his glory and that souls are saved and people are trained and taught the word of God and, and that Jesus Christ receives the reward of his suffering from Uganda, Africa. That's all for now. If you have questions, please contact us. Um, Our information is easy to find on the internet. We'd love to hear from you. If you want our prayer letter, let us know. I'll be happy to send it to you. Um, Look out for more audio and recordings. It's all going to be available. Um, It's it's important to us to try and communicate with you and, and and to teach the Bible and, and to get God's Word out in different formats. And uh, so we're moving everything over to Sermon Audio. My foundational platform will no longer be Podbean, though the audio will be able to be heard on Podbean. Uh, moving forward, we're moving everything over to Sermon Audio. I expect that to be done this month, uh, You know, to have all the audio moved over, and then all new audio will come through Sermon Audio. Now, you can still find the podcast on the respective podcasting platforms. So it's still available on all the platforms, but it's in a different format. You can find just a single uh, location where all the audio is, is aggregated in one place, and it should be under Plenteous Redemption Podcast. But you can also, if you don't want to have all the audio aggregated in one place, some people like to hear just certain topics like the Bible teaching or the cross and the culture or these ministry updates, whatever the case may be. For, for those of you that only want to hear certain segments of the podcast, each segment is now its own dedicated podcast, which you should also be able to find on your respective platforms. Hope that makes sense. If you have questions, let me know. Thank you for listening and God bless. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. You can learn more about our ministry by visiting www.plenteousredemption.com. You can hear more Plenteous Redemption podcast audio at www.plenteousredemption.media. Please comment below if this podcast has been a help to you. Also, inform us of future topics that would interest you. Thank you again for listening to the Plenteous Redemption podcast.